This podcast was recorded at Redemption Alhambra Village in Phoenix, Arizona. For more information about Redemption Alhambra Village, visit redemptionaz.com. Well, I, I wanted to uh, seriously just thank all of you guys because um, this year has been a really, a really big blessing. And uh, just being here, coming into the room together uh, before we, we came, Wayne and I were just praying and thanking God for, for all that he's done. He really has done a good work in us this year. And uh, we have so much to be thankful for. So much, man. So, so much. Like sometimes you could just, you know, we, many people, we get to this point in the year and we zoom in on this point in the year. Right, we zoom in, and 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 it, and it eclipses the narrative that we're living in. Right, right? and uh, there's a lot of time if, if you look back at your, at your life, where there's different phases and points where you were were at in your life, but it was the narrative that that point found itself in. Right, you know, and 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 it was going a particular direction. It was going. God, like His providence, was in control all the way through. Right, and just even this morning, as we're we're, we're thinking, in like the, the last service of 2018, our mind is just reflecting on the narrative, yeah. right? Yeah. The narrative, like so, and I'm just thinking about like because God has spoken to us, and 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 and, and challenged us, and He's been calling us from a lot of of, of, of ways, right? You know, just throughout the years, yeah. right? You know, and I'm thinking like some of the. Like, God has spoken to us in some very unique ways, and just in some of the sermon series that we've been, been going through. And I was just sitting there and just reflecting. Like, even though a lot of the sermon series, all the campuses are preaching through them, but God has been speaking to us in very unique ways, yeah. you know, um, just to us, the people here. And I, I think about, you know, because so many people have come along in, at different points along the way. Right, you know, and um, I remember, like, you know, who who's out here remember when we went through Judges? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Man, that was that was that was incredible and stuff. God was just speaking to us about about what it means to be a people that is a, a light to the nations, um, struggling to not worship the idols of the nations, right, and stuff, you know. And then um, in 2017, we we went through the Book of Acts, and you see in Acts Jesus. After his death, burial, and resurrection, continued his mission, right? By, 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 by placing himself via his spirit into the lives of his people and sending them out, yeah. right? And it was incredible because you start to see how, how, like, there was this Holy Spirit boldness inside of them. So they carried the gospel to both the Jews and the Gentiles. And then there was this, it was marked by this Holy Spirit love, which just drew them together, yeah. And during that time, God was just speaking much to us, right? How God was calling us to be able to trust the spirit of God and boldly proclaim his gospel and let it carry us to carry it to people that are that are like us and people that are not like us. But he also challenged us in how this gospel would knit us together as a community when we are letting the spirit of God just lead us, right? You know, and, and I'm just looking at this narrative, and then we we was this year, when we went through the book of Ephesians, right? Yep. Like, 
in Acts, when they, when they carried the gospel out to both the Jews and the Gentile, one of those churches was the church at Ephesus. Yes. Right? So then we just spent time zooming in on what did it look like inside the church of Ephesus. And, and, and we saw this beautiful thing where God was bringing different people from different economical places, different um, cultural backgrounds, all together centered around the gospel. And God was challenging us there because I mean, one of the highlights that really stood out to me is when you get to the point when you realize, as he's, he showed us how, how there was just systems and structures, demonic systems and structures fighting against the unity of the church. Yeah. And you start to realize, even us, as we're here, how much the demonic systems and structures of culture has shaped how we receive the gospel and how we live the gospel out. And, and, and God was calling us to, to live into this covenant reality of the gospel, right? Calling us to live this thing out. And it was the covenant reality of who he is and our fellowship with him and one another that shaped and mold and, and was the glue to this unity of one another. And just like this narrative that we find ourselves in as God has been teaching us and challenging us just along the way and, and, and as we get ready to, to go into 2019, it was huge. We slowed down some because all the stuff that God is calling us into and speaking to us about and all the things we see the disciples doing in, 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 in the early church was all because they was close to Jesus. So we slowed down and we went through a series called Breathe and just thinking of what does it look like to be near to Jesus, to be close to him, the basics of our life. And we realized that God would just call like a lot of us weren't just being near to him, close to him, to the basic areas of our lives and just him leading us through because we had this really close personal relationship with just who he was, who he is. Yeah. You know, so. What I love about that is, is a lot of times we get to the end of, of a year and what we forget is all that God has done. Yeah. Yeah. We start thinking about all the things we didn't do. Yeah. And we forget all the things that God has done. And so to take a minute and to see where God is at work and to see how he's been speaking to us. You see, we, we don't live by, by bread alone. We live by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. That our food as the people of God is, is his word. And so if we can see where he's at work, uh, we can have much to boast in. Right. Um, so if we could take a minute at the end of this year and really see where God is working. The other thing that I see as people get to the end of the year is they have a hard time living by revelation and obedience because this is a time of resolutions. Right. Um, we look into what happened last year and we start going, man, I didn't reach this goal. I didn't do this. I'm still failing in this area. I still have all these kinds of ways that I wish things could, could happen. And so, man, I just got a ton of debt because I just uh, bought everybody presents and I didn't even have the money for it. And I'm now I'm, I'm struggling. I got to get into this next year or my kids aren't where they should be. My job didn't take a turn for where it should be. We didn't reach the goals for weight loss that we thought we 
we would have. We didn't get the financial gains that we thought we would be. We're not where we want to be. And so as we wind down at this end of, of the year, often we can not see where God is working because we're so focused on ourselves. And the way we fix ourselves often is by doing something that is so antithetical to what we just celebrated, which is a Savior came into the world and came to rescue us, but we only celebrate that for one day, and then the next thing we celebrate is that we need to come up with ways to better ourselves for 2019. And not that we need a Savior, but that we need to try harder. And so we come up with resolutions of things that we're going to do in 2019, and we're going to set goals, and we're going to say this is what success looks like, and, and, and we are so used to kind of going, let me set goals, let me redefine, and this time I'm going to be more positive, I'm going to try harder, and I'm going to reach those, those things in my life. And what ends up taking place for us is in the attempt to pursue our goals and dreams, we miss what it means to follow Jesus. Isn't it interesting that when Jesus comes into the garden, when he creates the garden, what does he do every day he comes and he walks with them. And when he comes to walk with them after they've sinned, what do they do? They hide from their walk. They hide from walking with Jesus. Yes. And they hide from that time with him. And, and he comes to walk with them and they're gone. They're not there. They're doing their own thing. They're hiding. Right. And then that sin separates them from that walk. And then Jesus comes into the world and he doesn't come and bring a bunch of lists of rules and expectations. Matter of fact, all the laws and all the things were fulfilled in him. But what does he do? He tells those disciples to what? Come walk with me. Come follow me. Walk with me day in and day out. Follow me. Well, what, what, what's the goals, Jesus? Where are we going? Uh, follow me. Come on. Come on. Leave everything behind. Follow me. That this reality of what we are in Christ is, is not trying to become something or reach something. It is actually in the walking with Jesus that we start to see things unfold. You see, he came and walked with us, and all the way through Scripture, isn't it amazing that what he describes our relationship with him as is a walk? Walking in the Spirit, walking by his power, following him, and not a striving to reach something. It's a walk, day in and day out, but if we are honest because we are constantly striving for something other than a walk we're constantly discouraged with our relationship because we don't know how to walk with him day in and day out and the reason why is because we're so used to living by the patterns of this world resolutions and greater goals and what is our desires and our success that we have missed the very essence of revelation which is hearing God's voice man lives by God's word him speaking we are desperate not to create a new goal, but to hear him speak. How much space do we make in our lives to go, I can't even know what I'm to do unless you speak. 
I need you to speak. I need your word. I need to dig into your word. Your, your word is, is everything. It's a lamp to my feet. It's the light to the path. It's, it's the bread in which I eat. I need your word. If, if, I, if I set my own patterns, I'll set things that will, that will be unattainable. There'll be things that will be impossible. There'll be things that, that are, 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 or there are things I can accomplish and then boast in myself. But I need your word. To follow him, I have to have his voice, and I need to know what is it that he's speaking. And if we're honest, resolutions, we don't need his word. Revelation is he's got to speak. And once he speaks, there's only one response, and that's obedience. So, so we take this word that he's spoken, and we go, all right, I'm going I'm to follow you, and I'm going to obey your word and walk in that. Church, as we come to this time, not only do we zero in on our failures or our successes, and not only do we go back, we miss where God has been speaking. But I I also don't want us to look into 2019 and repeat that same pattern of trying to come up with a better attitude, more strength. When we need to dive into what does it look like to live by his word and to follow him. Right. And, and, and I'm, I'm so happy that you say that because when we think about Scripture, we think about the things that we've, we've seen. That's what the disciples were doing. They was following him. When we, when we went through Acts and, and they went, they, were, they, didn't, they weren't like rolling dice, okay, we're going to go here, okay, we're going to go there. But literally the Holy Spirit was, was leading them and, and calling them and t- directing them where to go. Yes. But the reality of it is this, there is these hindrances that we have to following Jesus. Like, it sounds really good, but this honest, if we're real with ourselves, you find yourself with me today where there are times where there, like, honestly, there are hindrances in my life to me actually just following the Lord. There honestly are, because sometimes, sometimes you want him to follow you. It's like... I know where I want to go, and I have my goals, and I see the things that I want to accomplish. Some of these things are good. Some of these things are wretched, whatever, and stuff, right? But even in the good things, you're like, I made it up inside of my mind. This is what I want to do, and you want Jesus to follow you, like like on the side, like, like come walk with me, Lord. I'm, I'm on my way over here, and I just want to make sure as I go, you're with me, Right? And, and, and it's not me wanting to follow him. It's me wanting him to follow me. It's almost like I want him to worship me, right? I want him to, 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 to affirm my goals instead of me um, saying, yes, Lord, to what he's calling me to do. And that's one of the way, reasons why it's, it's a hindrance for, for some of us to follow him because we haven't made up our minds to follow him and stuff. Like, we are still wanting him to, to follow us, Right? And then sometimes, sometimes you just want Jesus to, we, we, just tell me the destination and I'll meet you there. Wow. Right? Show me where you want me to get to, where you want me to be at, but I don't want you to lead me in how to go there because I don't like when you lead me there. Right? So I want to get there on my own. Yeah. I want to figure it out for myself. 
I want to I come to an understanding for myself. And we start making all these plans and we start adjusting here and adjusting there. And we start working out our own way to get there. And it's like, Jesus, I'll meet you at the destination point, right? And I, and I feel at peace with that. I feel like, oh, man, well, I know I'm doing what the Lord wants me to do, but am I doing it with him? Is he leading me? Is, am I following him there? Is he leading the way? I'm not just talking about, like, side by side and stuff. Like, yo, like, you know, he's in the passenger seat. I'm driving, but we both agreed on the destination point and stuff. But instead, like, him saying, this is where I want you to be at. A lot of times we just want to we wanna get to the destination point, but we don't want to consider the journey. Right. Right. There are so many things that God would teach us on the journey itself, right? That's exactly right. Because cause God would be like, hey, this is where I want you to be at. But there's things in the journey that equip you and prep you for being over there. Come on. Right? That you don't see. There, there are tears along the way that God is strategically going to allow you to have. There are hurt and pain and there are joys and laughter along the way that comes with just following him. But, but, but we just want to get up there. We don't want to consider the journey and his strategic and perfect planning on the route that he takes. We don't like his route. <laughs> we, don't, we, we don't like your route. We don't like... like and, and the thing is because his ways are, uh, is different from the world's ways, right? Yes, yes. And we love the world's ways. We love the, like, his way, is, it seems too slow. It doesn't seem powerful enough. Um, it, it, it doesn't seem as attractive. Like, I, I really don't like how that looks, right? His ways boggles our minds, but then the ways of the world, they seem way more attractive. They seem way more easier. They seem way more efficient. And I'm, I'm more attracted to that, so I'll meet you over there, Lord. And there are hindrances with, with, with following him. Yeah, I, I, uh, I hope that, that we're soaking these, these things in because I really believe as we take these next two weeks before we start our new series and just kind of dive into what does it look like to, to follow Jesus? Yeah. Um, one of the things that we say around here that we don't want to become a buzzword is this idea of gospel-centered, outward-focused. Now, with this first word of gospel-centered, I think this can become a, a buzzword for yeah. us, meaning everybody wants to be Know the gospel, be gospel-centered. Uh, there's not many uh, churches that wouldn't say, man, this is something that we, we want to have as, as the, the center of who we are. And gospel centrality ends up becoming just something that we say and not something that we really uh, press into. What, what, is that, what does that mean to be a gospel-centered church? What does it mean to be a gospel-centered person? What does gospel centrality look like? And so what ends up happening is we end up defining it in, in, in attainable, measurable ways. Right, right. Meaning we, we go, well, man, when we think of gospel centrality, unfortunately, we often think of being theologically accurate or having sermons that are smart and that we think deeply, right? Right. So we're like, man, this is what it means to be gospel-centered, is that we, we preach 
theologically accurate sermons, and I'm not saying it's less than that, but I will say it's far, far, far more than that, right? Um, And so our sermons would be theologically correct, and, and often it ends up sounding more studious and smart or deeper if we want to go that direction. So we want to be just, we want to think deeply and call that gospel centrality. Um, and then we can end up thinking if, if, if somebody's a gospel, if, if this is a gospel-centered church, then that place must not have any problems, which is, which is so far from reality, right? I got to find me a gospel-centered church, and what they mean is a place that has no problems. And then once you showed up, you brought problems, right? Before you came, there was no problems, and now you showed up, and all of a sudden, there's problems, right? And that reality of the church being a place, a gospel-centered church being a place where, there is, where there's no problems ends up becoming kind of buzzword for us because we're like, I want to find a gospel-centered place or a gospel-centered church, um, but the reality is, if we're going to be a gospel center, then that word of it being centered means it's put at this, this position where it's not just something that's heard, but it becomes kind of the control center for life. Yes, yes, yes. When something is at the center, it's controlling how we live. It's not just what we hear, but it definitely is what we hear. But that, what we hear, sinks deep into the control center of our hearts, what Scripture says, that hearts become transformed and and reformed, and it becomes shaped by the gospel, and then it ends up becoming this life. Now, there's a a, a Scripture that I really really love, and you see Peter, who is uh, one of the apostles, who is sitting at a table with Gentile believers, And then the Jewish brothers walk in, he gets up from this table, and he goes and sits at another table with his Jewish brothers. Leaves the Gentile brothers and goes sits with the Jewish brothers. Simple act, he's just eating, fellowshipping, gets up and walks away. Now, in a lot of our minds, we would go, okay, well, what what, what was wrong with that? But Paul confronts Peter. He confronts him and says, you are not walking in line with the gospel. You are not walking in line with this gospel that you preach. Now, he definitely was not saying to Peter, hey, you're not a Christian. He definitely was not saying to him, look, your salvation is in line, is out of line, right? What he's saying to him is this, this gospel that is preached is not controlling your, your activity, Right, That you would leave one table to go to another table, leave the low table to go to the higher position. You would leave that place in which you are fellowshipping with someone different than you and go to this other place. And he's confronting him there. And the realities are when we're going to be gospel-centered, we can't just look at how well are we preaching it. We've got to see how is our lives What tables are we eating at? What people are we we 
are we in relationship with and how is that affecting us crossing barriers and caring for the other and walking in this? Because often we just go, as long as I'm reading my Bible and listening to good podcasts, I'm gospel-centered. But it's so much more than that. And if we're going to call ourselves a gospel-centered church, we've got to begin to press into it. Because there's so many ways that I would look at us. And, not that, and when we talk about things like this, we can't just go, well, does this mean I'm not a Christian, right? right. This, is far, this is far deeper than that. We, there's so many ways we can be encouraged right. by the ways the gospel is shaping us. Right. You know, even, like, just thinking about that, right, just... Like, because God, like we said earlier, has been doing massive, massive work. And, this, and, and it's really, really clear um, and that, like, there are some ways that we see the gospel um, shaping that, that we are super encouraged about. And just, like, pastorally, um, Aaron and I is just sitting down just thinking about just looking over the, the, the year and looking at, like, fruit and things that we've been seeing that's like, man, that's the Lord. Right. And, and that's, that's been so encouraging to us, like thinking about um, like as we, we see like more and more people from different um, backgrounds, cultures that are being joined together by the gospel, that are fellowshipping together. They come from different walks of life and their stories don't match up. But the gospel has been drawing them together. And we've seen that more and more people in fellowship with one another, we we. We've been seeing things like, I mean, if you've gone to our community groups, every single one of our community groups is packed. Yeah. <laughs> every single one. You know, the, because more and more people are, are coming out and going to these community groups, right? And they're breaking bread with one another. They're eating with one another. They're opening up their Bibles. They're praying together. Um, and one of the things we had to do was, if, if we do our classes. We do a class on the first Wednesday of every month, and all the community groups take a break. And, and we was doing our classes in the learning center, right? But then we had to stop doing our classes in the learning center and come inside the sanctuary because we needed more space, right? And, 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 that was, and it was beautiful like, to, to like, man, we got a problem here. I guess we got we to gotta go inside the sanctuary. And that was a, a beautiful thing and stuff. And what is it, what it's telling us, as we're looking at all these different ways that, that, that like, even attendances on Sundays, like, don't look at today, right? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know? Um, but even that and stuff, we find ourselves, like, you know, we had to take, put some chairs inside the back and stuff and, you know, consider some, like, ways to, like, do some type of magic to make us have more space. But the whole thing is that you're seeing more people and what is communicating is that, you're seeing a hunger and thirst for the gospel. And that's encouraging. All these are signs of people wanting more gospel. That's why they're sharing with their brothers and they're sharing with their sisters. And more people are, are showing up to community groups, showing up to, 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 to Sunday services, showing up to First Wednesday because there is a hunger and a thirst for the gospel. And it is so encouraging to see God doing that. And the thing that I've been really encouraged by inside of that is continuing to not chase people coming to the church, yes. but how do we press more into being that family that is shaped by the gospel? Yes. And I've felt deeper and deeper uh, a, a desire to be the church, to be the family of God. 
people pressing into even like saying, man, I got to find a place where I can connect with with people, where I can build these kinds of relationships, where I can hear God's word, where I can pray. And that family bond is beginning to deepen, not because of things that we have in common, uh, just because of kind of natural things. But the, the sense of the spirit bringing a family together, those yes. things have been deeply encouraging. And, and let me let us let, let's just say this. There's no way we could create that unless the spirit of God was bringing his word and making it alive in our hearts. And that we're and there are people who are pressing into that who are led by the spirit. And so as we move into this year, we don't want to go, man, there's so much that we have to grow in. And there's two there's two sides of this. As you come to the end of a year and you're starting afresh into 2019 there, you want to battle discouragements Uh because that's not that's not in condemnation because that's not the nature of what the gospel brings condemnation right so you want to battle that but you also don't want to move into prideful resolve that gets you to like i'm going to work harder to get to a different place this year so condemnation and prideful resolve are the, the the are the different sides of the same coin right both have pride at the center of it one you didn't reach that goal the next you're going to try harder and you're still approaching the same thing but if you approach the gospel and the gospel is at the center there's ways that you can rejoice in all that god is doing right because he is at work he is growing his family and you don't want to be unthankful right you don't want to be unthankful. But the other side of that is to go, God, what are ways you want us to prayerfully press deeper into all that you have for us, right? And how can we surrender ourselves more and more to your spirit so that you can do what you want to do? And so you're doing that with the, the heart is we want to thank him for all that he's done and ask him what more does he want to do in us and through us. And so the way that we want to approach this is by looking at Luke chapter uh, uh, 17. But before we do, and I know we're taking a little while to set this up, but these points will be there. Wayne's going to kind of press into this a little bit by, is that working? Oh, yeah, it's red. But yeah, look up here on the screen real quick, because I think this is an important reality. So as we think about this, right, and we think about what God's been doing. So so you see this, this, this line here, right? So Let's say this is this is us. This is us right here. It's red. Red. Yeah. I like that. All right. This is us, and 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 God is 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 speaking His truth to us. He's re- revealing um, his, his gospel to us, and He's calling us higher. I mean, always He's always calling us higher, always calling us higher and stuff. And so we're right here, and and, and we see how God is calling us higher. This is where God is calling us to be at. This is where he's calling our lives at, personally and communally. We're right here, but he's always calling us over here. And what we, where we start to go to, and we start thinking about, well, how do I get to right there? How do I get to that point there and stuff? We start thinking about, you know, like, like where I'm going to work my way up to there and stuff. Or, or, or you start coming up with your own plans on how for, for me to just jet to right there, because I got to get to this place where God is calling me, at, and I see that and stuff, and he's calling me up higher. But a lot of times we don't consider how growth actually happens, right? right? We don't consider how growth goes, because if we're right here, and this is the ground where we're at and stuff, this is the ground where, where, where we're at, 
Rewinds. Uh-oh. All right. Redraw. Redraw. Bam. 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 Yep, yep, yep. Bam. Bam. All right? Nice. Look at that, right? But, but that's us. We're trying, we're trying to work our way up to where God is called, but we're not considering how growth actually happens, and, 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 and how growth actually happens isn't like this. Like, the way growth happens, if this is the ground, if, if, if this is the ground, the way growth actually happens is we start going down mm-hmm. into the ground and stuff. And as we go down into the ground and stuff, it comes and sprouts back up and brings us to over here. All right? But we don't consider that. This, this thing that happens, this, 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 this dying to self, this... The, 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 the ways that God is, is cultivating and, sh- and shaping us. And sometimes as God is taking us down into the ground and humbling us, we're misinterpret- misinterpreting what's happening there. You want to give up. You want to throw in the towel because you feel beat down and broken down. But a lot of times this is God cultivating you and, and he's pulling you down so that there's roots that, 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 that can hold you into where he's going to bring you to and allow you to sprout out at. See, this is, this is so um, in line with what the gospel teaches. Actually, Paul Miller calls this the J-curve, the, the shape of Jesus' life, he, to the death, burial, and resurrection of how our Savior comes, how a seed doesn't grow until it first dies, right? How we as the people of God don't grow until we're continually growing in this death to self, right? And continually dying to self. And what we end up doing in our own lives is in these times creating this this reality right here, right? Where we're trying to go straight from life to resurrection rather than going through the death, right? We want to identify with the risen Savior, but we don't want to die with him, right? We don't want to be buried with him. We don't want to go through that that death to self reality. And so what ends up happening is in our own lives, and I want you to notice this, in our own personal lives, we set goals, and when we don't reach them, because most of the time Uh we don't, Uh we give ourselves a ton of grace. ton. We only went this far. Barely. Actually, that's too far. You actually just went that today. You only went that far up the scale. But if you knew how hard your year was, you had sickness this year, you had struggle this year, you, you, you know, you have so many excuses for why you did not, right? And you give yourself so much room to fail. But the problem is where the gospel starts to be seen in the ways you are not living into the gospel and you're living more of a religious life is not how much grace you give yourself, but how little grace you give to other people who don't meet your expectations. So here's where you really start to show that you're not a gospel-centered person. is not in how much grace you give yourself, but how much failure and how much you... So here's, let's just take it in this reality. Here's where you think the church should be, and here's where the church is. Mm -hmm. And you come to the church, and you're like, I want to be in a church that's up here, and you see no growth, and you're constantly complaining, and you're taking off any time because nobody's meeting your expectations. And the reality is where you start to show that you're not living into the gospel and you're actually far more self-righteous and religious than you realize is not by how much grace you give yourself, 
but how much law you lay on other people. Because you give no room for people to go through this process or for community to go through this process because they're not meeting your expectations. And the reality is you stand on the outside like the Pharisees and the Sadducees constantly critiquing on where people should be but not willing to go through the journey of life. Not entering into people's death, burial, and resurrection. Not entering into a community that's continually dying to self because you're constantly wanting them to rise to next levels. And here's the struggle that I have this year. I mean, there's so many churches that play into this and set big goals. Every year there's a new dream, right? This is the year of what? And you never hear the year of decrease. You never hear the year of like problems and death. Every church is like, this is the year of greater things, bigger things, overflow. And everybody's like, yes, yes, yes. And then you get to the end of the year and you're like, it didn't happen this year, but next year, right? And if any prophet, if any prophet had that many false prophecies, they would be stoned, right? But the reality is, is that what we enter into is not calling people to, to, to enter into a dying to self community, but we enter into this place. And here's, here's the hardest thing, if, if, if it is, is, is you're constantly, when you're in religion, not just giving yourself a lot of grace, but you're constantly trying to live up to people's expectations. Yeah. And you feel the weight constantly of failing people. I'll tell you this. As a pastor, one of the hardest things to do is to constantly go back to who Christ is and how much he loves me. Because I constantly feel the weight of not meeting people's expectations. That's a tough place to be. Because people think I should be here or the church should be here or Wayne should be here. And they are holding me to this standard, and I haven't even walked the ladder, or I'm not even on the path they think I should be on. And so they're constantly holding me to this, and rather than entering into what does it look like for all of us to be dying to self, the reality is in a community of, of the, there's constantly things that we're all having to die to in order to walk in this unity. So for us to get to this place, what we have to begin to do is kind of go, well, how do we pastor in this? And I want us to look at, look at Luke chapter 17, and we're going to just make a few points, Wayne and I, and we're actually going to press into this more next week. So you got the first part, and next week you'll get the second part. So we're going to run through this, just things for you to meditate on this week, and hopefully next week you can dive into it. So I'm going to read this. We don't have to stand together. We're all so tired. We can just sit, you know. Uh, but we'll just, let's, let's look at how Jesus pastors his disciples in this kind of life. And he said to his disciples, temptations to sin are sure to come, but woe to the one whom they come. It would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck, you were cast into the sea, than it would for him to cause one of these little ones to sin. Pay attention to yourself. If your brother sins, rebuke him, and if he repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times in a day and turns to you seven times saying, I repent, you must forgive him. The apostles said to the Lord, increase our faith. And the Lord said, if you have faith like a grain of mustard seed, you could say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted into the sea, and it would obey you. 
Will any one of you who has a servant plowing or keeping sheep say to him when he has come from the field, come at once and recline at the table? Will he not rather say to him, prepare supper for me and dress properly and serve me while I eat and drink and afterwards you will eat and drink? Does he thank the servant because he has done what is commanded? So you also, when you have done all you were commanded, to say, commanded, say, we are unworthy servants. We only have done what is our duty. And it's incredible because you look at this and <clears throat> all of us need revelation. We need God to speak. Right, and you look at this, and you look at him discipling his 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 people, and he's just speaking to them. He's he's telling them about these huge things, these huge realities of sin. In the same way, how he's speaking to them right then and there, he's been speaking to us. We just need to listen. He's been speaking to us. He's been calling us out and stuff. And we need to hear God speak His word to us. It's His word that. Forms us. It's his word that, that forms the communities that we that we live in. Same word that we've been talking about that's formed all of creation. We need to hear him speak the same way how he's speaking to them. The interesting part of that though is that he always speaks in ways that we don't think he will. So listen to what he tells them. He, he tells them, listen. Um, temptation to sin is going to come, but it better not come through you. Mm-hmm. You better not cause people to stumble because you're sinning against them. Yeah. Temptation is going to come, yeah. but you better not be the source of temptation. You better not cause people to sin. So he's saying to them, and it would be better for you to have a millstone cast around your neck and be cast into the sea than you be the one who is causing people to sin. But then the second part of that is going, sin is going to come, but it better not come through you. And then he says, forgive people when they repent. Forgive them over and over and over and over again. Confront sin, he says. Rebuke those who are in sin. Confront sin. So these are just basic realities of how God, he didn't just say, hey, guys, here's the goals I want you to reach. He said, don't sin against others. Don't cause people to sin and forgive them and confront them and forgive them when they repent. And it is that that leads his disciples to pray and ask the Lord, give us more faith. Here's the reality. The things that we dream of doing, we dream of things we can accomplish in our own self. The thing God tells us to do, we we know we cannot do. And the things he tells us to do often are more about us not causing others to sin, us not bringing temptation towards others, and us forgiving them as they sin against us, and and us uh, speaking the truth and love to them and walking this kind of reality. And so it leads us to a place of prayer. When we really hear from God, it may not be what we wanted to hear, like you're going to do these great things. It may far more be, here's what's going to happen. You're going to be sinned against. You better not sin against others. You better walk in a way where you're constantly forgiving and rebuking that kind of confusion, that kind of, uh, that kind of community that we speak yeah. of in Ephesians. And, and he says this, and then his disciples go, oh, I can't do that uh-huh. without more faith. Wow. And it's, and it's crazy because 
they hear this. They hear this, this mountain-sized thing that Jesus is saying, do this, live into this, and it's huge. And, 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 when, they, and when they hear this, and they, and they think about how huge this thing that God is calling them into, immediately they start going into thinking, well, I need something that I don't have. Right? And he said, oh, increase our faith. Our faith isn't big enough to meet this. And he doesn't respond the way that they would think. He doesn't say, you know what, you're right. Let me give you a whole bunch of more faith to meet all this. But instead, he starts talking to them about what the faith is that they already have. And stuff, and then he uses the smallest example that comes to his mind. He uses a mustard seed, the smallest example, and it's not about, hey, let me give you this more faith, but instead, let me deepen the faith that you already have. You need to have a deeper faith in what you already have to be able to just walk in this thing. And he starts telling them what faith produces. And stuff. Instead of trying to tell them, you need to get more of this, what about what you already have, right? And he just goes the total opposite and goes smaller. We right? always think we need more. We always do. We always, we always, have to, we always think that, we, that, 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 that it's something that we need to get added on to us later on and stuff and don't realize what we have already that he's calling you to walk in. There's something in us that, that really believes we need more, and that continues to keep us from not going to this place where we need to continue to walk in what it is that he has already said to them. And he goes into an illustration that I think is important. He, he tells them about a parable of a, a master who has a servant who's out in a field, and we're going to go deeper into this next week, so I hope that you'll spend time this week kind of meditating. He, talk, he starts to tell them, listen, I'm going to teach you what faith really is, and he tells them a parable, and he says there's a master who has a servant who's out in a field. The servant's working all day out in the field, and he comes in, and he goes, it's time to chill, and the yeah. servant's like, and the master's like, no, <laughs> change clothes and get back to work, right, and then he says, should I thank the master, should I thank the servant when he only did what he was told to do, he's teaching them what faith is, faith is not something that you're trying to get more of, faith is a deep trust in the word that has already been spoken, it's hearing. Faith comes by what? Hearing. And hearing by the word of God. They just heard God's word, but they're asking for, for more faith. Faith comes by hearing his word. And he says, no, you've heard what you are to do. Now, if you are to walk in that and just do what I'm telling you to do, revelation and obedience, what faith will produce, what my word will produce, what, my, what deep trust in my word will do is it will produce things that you could never even imagine could be produced. And this reality of instead of asking for more, what if you just did what he already told you to do? What if this year, instead of asking for more, yeah. you just honed in on what are the things that he's told you to do? I'll tell you some things he's told you to do. Not to sin against people and cause them to sin. Yeah. Not what they think is sin, right? Yeah. But what is truly tempting others towards sin. And then what's the other thing? There are those who are repenting and you're not forgiving. You're not walking in the type of community that you should be in. And that mess, because there's so many questions around that, causes us to go, 
God, if you don't help me, I can't do this. Because I got to rebuke, I got to ask for help. Right? So he's saying, no, if you would just commit to doing what I've told you to do rather than asking for more, I've already given you the word. So know his voice and obey him. I, I think the, the distortion of faith is, has come from a prosperity gospel that teaches us faith is us saying something and believing it rather than us hearing it and obeying it. The reality is, We've heard God has spoken his word. It's not about us speaking. It's about us hearing. Faith comes by hearing. And when we hear it, we walk in it. And that word produces things that we never even could imagine could be produced. But we always think we need more. It's, when you think about it and you look at how he's, he's calling them out. And he's speaking to them, and, 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 he, and he says, listen, you don't get to come in and just recline at the table and relax there. See, we've been talking about gospel-centered, and, 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 and gospel-centered sounds all good. Loving your neighbor sounds all good. Doing these things for the Lord sounds all good until it gets into your comfort zone. Until it pushes you past where you actually want to be at. Until it makes you feel uncomfortable. It makes you feel displaced. It makes you feel out of pocket. And you're, you're thinking inside your mind, but I did this and I did that and stuff. I should be able to relax and chill. And God is like, nah, stay working. And we, he's calling us out of comfort into moving towards the convictions he's given for us. So good. It's, 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 it's him. And he calls us out of, out of it. And that only comes when we stop doing things so that we can be thanked and do things because he deserves worship. Right? That's why it said at the end, should I thank the servant because he's done what he was told to do? No. He didn't do it to be thanked. He did it out of worship. Most of the things we do, we want to get credit for. A lot of our years start out really strong with setting big goals that we want to get credit for when we accomplish them. And the reality is we give ourselves a ton of grace when we don't meet them. When it's far deeper than this. At the core, we don't want to worship him, listen to his voice and follow him and worship him and do things for his glory. We want the glory for ourselves. We want to say, look at what I've done. But when it comes to following Jesus, it's not about look at what I've done. It's about look at who he is. As I am confronting and, 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 and forgiving, as I am repenting, as I am... Uh, walking away from sin, as I'm walking in these ways, it may seem small and insignificant. It may not seem comfortable. It may seem hard or, or painful, but it is those things that seem like small, insignificant seeds that can be moving mountains, that could be having mulberry trees be uprooted and planted into the sea. You see, the reality is in the seed of God's word, the things that he's spoken, 
is all, all the power for your healed marriage. You're like, why is my marriage so bad? Uh, you're sinning against each other, and you're not forgiving each other. Yeah, but how? You need his word. You need to obey. You need to be in his face. You need to do what he's telling you. You're going to have to move out your comfort zone. It's going to take time. It doesn't happen tomorrow. That seed's going to go down. You're going to die over and over again. Yeah, but tell me how to get there faster. I want to get there faster. But you're not going to get it. How do I get to spiritual growth and health? How do I get to this place where I'm, I'm totally spiritually, like, just at the top of the mountain? <laughs> You're going to have to go to and be a part of a real broken group of people and, and continue to die to self and continue to be pushed and prodded and, and continue to kind of press in. Well, could we just do like Sunday services real well? And could we just kind of have these kind of things? Could we just be, could we just go to a few classes and not actually do life with people? It doesn't happen that way. You see, church, as we press into what is it for next year, I would pray that right now um, you would take some time as, as they're singing and worshiping to, to, to enter in. The table will be open. There's people around you who are closer now because we moved forward. I like that. Who you could pray with. I like that. We're going to move this, and you could come and grab communion. You could pray with each other, and we're going to take these last 15 minutes and just pray together. Pray that, that God would do these things. And you can see them up here that we'll hear his voice, that we'll be a more prayerful people, that we'll walk by faith, that we'll obey him, we'll repent and forgive, we'll be worshipers. Those things will be up there. But church, could you bow your heads and close your eyes, and then we're just going to open the table. You can pray with others. You can spend time together in prayer. You can be alone. You can do whatever it is that the Lord's leading you to do. Father, we pray in your name, in Jesus' name, that as we enter into this time, before we enter into this new year, God, would you come and speak to us? We need your word. We need your word. Help us to die to self. There's so many things that we're planning. But God, let us trust in you. You have a, you have a plan. And Lord, come and walk with us. Come and lead us and guide us. In Jesus' name. Church, the table is open, but don't rush through this time. Come get you. You can pray with others. Just spend the time in prayer letting the Lord speak. This podcast was recorded at Redemption Alhambra Village in Phoenix, Arizona. For more information about Redemption Alhambra Village, visit redemptionaz.com.